0: The most obvious basic is the position of the car on the track. You know, you start off wide and you go in and you clip your apex and you drift out wide and you go, yeah, well, what's complicated about that? But when you look at it, people don't use every inch of the track. They think they are, but they're looking at the apex. They're not looking at the left hand side of the track. So they'll leave half a meter sometimes. And those are the basics. And that's what I found useful.
1: Welcome to the Your Data Driven podcast. If you like this podcast, be sure to visit our website at yourdatadriven.com for more useful help and advice on setting up your race car, mastering data analysis, and driving faster. Welcome to episode 47. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Julian Thomas to the show, a man who's combined a passion for racing with his expertise in data analytics, creating a career that's as thrilling as it is insightful. From his unique journey into motorsports to inventing the revolutionary V-Box, Julian's got plenty of wisdom to share on both how to go faster on track and how to get the most out of his technology. So, as ever, grab a pen, grab a coffee, sit back, and let's enjoy what Julian has to say. Welcome, Julian. Thank you. Yes, good to be here. I'm uh, really excited about this show. It's been a long time coming. We were just talking off air beforehand. Like we were trying to organize a few different times. And yeah, it's, it's absolutely uh it's one of my favorite subjects, the world of data and analytics. It's clearly one of yours. Sure. Um percent <laughs> What we're trying to do with every show. My challenge to my guests is to say, look, let's let's work towards maybe one or two takeaways that people listening. And so I've go got to away. cut it down to one or two. Well, I mean, like, let's start with that. One or two. <laughs> okay. And, uh, yeah. see, Pick my favorite. There's one or two things that people can go away and think about and do that they may not have done before, uh, particularly sure. with your favorite okay. subject. But also, outside of of that as well, yeah. because you you have also. Well, well, I want to hear about your background, but from what I know about okay. your, you, you, you kind of came to racing as a driver. A little bit later, perhaps than yes, definitely that kind of thing. And so, yeah. that will be really fascinating to hear about how you've gone from from pretty much starting and then done very well. So, okay. so I, I imagine a lot of people will be able to relate to your story and sure. how you applied all this sort of technology, but yeah. also, also learned how to drive and done coaching and all or had coaching and all these different things. Yes, as as a whole. Mm, like, okay. So how does yeah. that sound? Does that sound like a bit of a... Uh, yeah, it sounds good. right. So t- tell us a bit about yourself. So, um, yeah. you know, clearly the boss of uh, the famous... Race box. Logic. Yeah, Race Logic. Yeah. So I mean, how the... did
0: that start? How, how did we all get going with all that? <laughs> okay, well, uh, I started... I, I tried to go racing when I was 22, uh, and I bought an old classic Formula Ford, a Roy RP33M. Um, I bought a 50-50 with a friend of mine, and we went... Uh, did a few test days. Then we entered the race and it was really jumping in the deep end. Uh, We had no idea what we were doing. Um, I ended up, I think I qualified second to last. Um, I managed on the last lap as the leaders passed me, one went left of me, one went the right of me. I only saw one of them. So I turned into the other one, took him out, ended up in the barriers. (laughs) And I thought, yeah. Motor racing takes money and skill, and at the time I had neither, so I kind of put it on a back burner. But uh, I've been into cars and racing since uh, age of about six, I think. My dad and I used to go to Silverstone and watch the cars go around club race meetings, all kinds. Um, and when I started Race Logic, uh, I wanted to work in the motor racing industry. So uh, I started an electronics business because it was that's my background and training. I'm a uh, physicist in electronics at university. Um, and I, I had a few contacts in the industry. I worked for Superchips, um, the company that hacked engine management systems. I worked for them for three years. Uh, I was their chief hacker. Uh I came across a few uh, racing teams and worked with a few racing teams. And I, yeah, this is what I want to get into. So I worked. Uh, I started off selling track control systems, uh, gearbox control systems, diff control systems. All the all of that technology was just coming out when I started my company, and I thought, "Oh, this is this is perfect timing." So I designed some systems, and they got promptly banned in all levels of <laughs> motorsport. <laughs> so my um, uh, my business plan was suddenly uh, completely wrecked because I couldn't sell what I'd developed to the racing world. Um, so I, you I say you developed
1: the... it. I mean, yeah. I, I've got some very minor experience in this world, and I know it's not an overnight
0: process. So no, to... I thought it's it was at it. first. <laughs>
1: yes, get
0: yes, I did. Sorry, we don't like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The the traction control system, uh, you know, took me about two two and a half years to develop, all, all on my own. Uh, I was only I was working for myself, um, and it it sold well into club motorsport in the end. It was going con- meant to be for professional motorsport, but That's all been banned, and uh, they're just about coming back now. But um, at the time, it sort of pulled the rug up underneath me. But I pivoted into the automotive world. Uh, We began selling that to the mainstream manufacturers for their road cars, um, which actually was more lucrative. So it was a really good thing that I didn't get too heavily involved in racing right (laughs) at the beginning because I I wouldn't have been able to afford to go racing later, I can tell you that. Um, And then later on – once race logic did later on, a lot later on, once race logic started to do well and had um uh, chances and availability to to go racing. Um I I did some testing and training in go-karts, best place for it, absolutely. Um and unfortunately or fortunately, the guy I did the go-karting with, uh, super talented, didn't realize at the time, completely he beat me every single time, and happened to beat everybody else as well that he ever raced against. <laughs> So I kind of picked a good partner and a bad partner. So I knew instantly that I had to learn. Um, and back then, there weren't any tools for doing this. So I invented one. I made up the very first V-Box and put it on a go-kart. And Because I'd, I'd asked this guy, how do you drive so fast? No idea. Just push the pedal, do this, whatever. I don't well, know. this is you
1: the do, thing. You, know? you do tend to get quite flippant answers, don't you, when you ask? You do. It's got, and yeah. half, the, half the time, I, th- I always think, half the time... Um, they don't want to tell you something because they're worried, and then the yeah. other half of the time they don't actually know.
0: Genuinely don't know. I know it's amazing. There's <laughs> there's different approaches to racing, which is fabulous. And mine obviously is extremely analytical and heavy thinking. And there's others that just are by the seat of their pants, and they can be just as fast. Not not surprisingly, it's a you know it's an innate skill, but uh, they're the people you can really learn from. So so that's kind of what I've done. Uh, so I invented this V-Box, put it on the go-kart and said, oh, do you realise you're doing this? Am I? Yeah, and did you realise you're doing that? No, you have no idea who was doing it. But I picked up those skills and almost could go as quick as him, but still not quite. What,
1: what kind of what kind of things were you measuring? Measuring
0: uh, space. Uh, there's not a lot of space on a car, is there? Anything- there isn't. No, no, it was speed um, and throttle position and braking. And that was it. What if you didn't have to rely on paddock
1: folklore anymore? Get Ahead of the Curve, my weekly motorsports wisdom on driving, data and setup that you can read in just five minutes, completely free. Join thousands of dedicated racing and track drivers getting one article every Thursday. If you're enjoying this podcast, then Ahead of the Curve is for you. Subscribers are the very first to know about new episodes, get deeper discussions, expert interviews and behind the scenes racing stories head over to yourdatadriven.com and sign up for free today. Ahead of the curve where racing knowledge meets your inbox. And remember, you can also subscribe to the Your Data Driven podcast on any of your favourite podcast platforms.
0: So from those traces, you can you can get 80, 90% of it from those. Um, you don't have to have lots and lots of channels of data. You can uh, get an awful lot just from... Just from speed, really, it's, it's quite quite surprising. Um, and then I then began to go racing, and again on a on a race car, there wasn't. I, I wanted to have a video, and I wanted to have data as well, so I could see what I was doing, what the car was doing. And there wasn't. You, you could take a video, and you could take your data, and you could overlay the two in some fussy software that was difficult to use. So I thought, well, there's got to be a market for one that does both. So that's how the V Box game about it's always a little Um, bit of a danger as well isn't it if you uh,
1: someone with your background like because you know it's like oh well obviously i could just put that together and another thing we've got off by the i wouldn't know where to start but almost a danger for you is that like well i do actually know how to do this so but you don't have (laughs) another i I have another traction control moment do you so you're kind of like uh, you're having to make it a way up the decision
0: about what we're doing yeah Absolutely. The first first few years, it was difficult to sell because people didn't really understand it. It's never been done before; Uh, they didn't get it. Um, But once it began to get traction, and once once I'd used it a number of times, and thought, "What's what are the salient points? What are the most important things that the driver, as a driver, needs to know, and what doesn't he need to know?" So I sort of try to keep it really, really super simple and just drill it down to the basics because it's it's the basics where the, the real detail actually belongs
1: well that's that's a, a thing you hear all the time i just because uh, I've, I've worked in motorsport but also olympic sport and uh you know i'm working with these professional sports team you know multi-gold medal winning people and they always say, oh you know the difference that they just do the basics better they just do the basics
0: well but yeah. no one always tells you what the basics are what's our basics yeah come on well, run fast you know <laughs> drive fast obvious isn't it <laughs> this is it well
1: I don't use the yeah. brake
0: quite as much it's like that doesn't yeah. help me <laughs> no <laughs> no I mean the the most obvious basic is the position of the car on the track you know you, you say you go you start off wide and you go in and you clip your apex and you drift out wide and you go yeah well what's complicated about that but when you look at it people don't use every inch of the track they think they are but they're looking at the apex; they're not looking at the left-hand side of the track. So they'll they'll leave half a meter sometimes, and and those are the basics. And and that's what what I found useful because driving around a track, go kart track, whatever, race track, it's expensive and time consuming. You can actually learn a lot of these in your road car. And I've I've done that quite a bit. Where say with track positioning, whenever I come to a corner, I'll be making sure. That I can feel my tires on the white line or the rumble strips or whatever on just on the road and make sure as you clip the apex you you spot a cat's eye and you go right I'm going to clip that in my front right and if you don't you know that you've misjudged the width of your car. So when you say you're, you mean Roca on car on the road highway, yeah. obviously driving helps, you, driving at normal speeds, yeah, because you don't have to do this kind of stuff fast at all. It's absolutely. just about. And it's about the, uh, they say muscle memory, isn't it? So it, it's about, now when I look at a corner, I'm automatically shifting my body to the left and trying to fill the grass because that's what you do in a race car. Um, you, you want to fill and you're right on the edge of the track and, and you've got to know where that, that limit is. Um, and the only way to do it is to practice. And a road car is a fantastic place to, to practice. As long as there's not a curve on the left-hand side, then yeah, then it gets a bit yeah, expensive, a, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> there's all there's all the
0: health and safety benefit. Uh, and yeah.
1: um, uh, flag warning signs. Sure. People <laughs> listening are, are going to be sensible enough for that. I mean, one of yeah, yeah. one of the other things you talk about positioning, and um, uh, there are you know other brands of uh, data logger available uh, and such like. But one of the things that when well, the ones that don't integrate with the video. Yeah. Just relying on GPS. It's it's one of the things that you kind of always miss is that like where were you on the track? Yeah. And yeah, that's exactly. where the video, that's where the video really yeah. wins hands down in terms of that that very that last you know, yes. few centimeters really. You can yeah. see like, are you on you know using sure. the track
0: or, or, yeah. or not? Yeah. I mean, of course I'm gonna I push our very latest product, which is accurate to a centimeter. That's coming out very soon, so that's really good. That's really good for track positioning. But as you say, in reality, the video tells tells you everything because you can see where the white line is. You can see how exactly how much you missed it by, or how much you overcooked it by. So, yeah, video is it gives a whole new dimension to the data, especially if it's tightly synchronized. So you can see very much keyed in with the data is exactly where you are. Well, we, we we're gonna, you know what was gonna happen
1: on this. We, you and I we're gonna struggle not to dive into the day sure. Before, yeah, so going back done the <laughs> going
0: back.
1: Um,
0: so then yeah. So I, I did a bit of go karting, then uh then I looked around and I tried a few things. I, I, I met a a uh, fantastic driving instructor called Nigel Greensall, and I'd watched him race so I knew him and he he was using a V box and he said why haven't you ever raced? And I went, Well I, I I want to, but I at the moment I don't know how to get into it. It goes, oh let let Me look into it, so we tried an, a number of different things. We tried um, them, oh, Sorry, that is, a thing. That is yeah. a thing for
1: people listening actually is that even if you do track days or, 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 or these kind of things, it's this there's not an obvious route. It's like even though you say, actually, yes, I've I'm going to commit to this, but where do I start? Yes, exactly. It, it's very difficult, I've and certainly I've had this makes my own experience. Yeah to do that and it was like well, if it wasn't for my friend who took me to little well just just get a car like mine and we can you know come under my pen, yeah. and and i'll help you out to start yeah. i wouldn't have i would have probably never gone racing and and so it's nice. quite it's it's having those relationships to get you going you were you're yes. lucky to have that so you looked at a few different like i did i tried cars. different things
0: yeah. yeah yeah um i mean I'd, I'd always done track days in my catering so uh i did a i did a catering race Um, Engine blew up So I thought Yeah I don't want something With a big Powerful High revving Expensive engine (laughs) Took that one off the list For now Um, I tried Slicks and wings With a a Radical Um, Didn't really enjoy that It was just a bit bit planted For me I like a car That's moving all over the place And you feel Because back in the day When I used to watch My heroes racing The cars were all sliding And moving around And you look at it And you go I couldn't do that so that's what I wanted to try and emulate. Um, I then, uh, Nigel introduced me to Fun Cup, uh, And I looked at the, the beetle-shaped fiberglass thing with a 1.8 liter engine. I said, no, I'm not going to go in that. And he said, just, just drive it. Just spend a day in it. See what you think. At the end of the day, I was totally hooked. It's just really? it's a single seater with a fiberglass body on. The... I was going to say you sit in the middle, don't you? So you do. people yeah. are not familiar with the Fun Cup, it's a it's a
1: it's a Beetle, a Volkswagen Beetle shaped silhouette type car, but basically yeah.
0: with a big wing on the back. Uh, I yeah, think you sit in the middle. Uh, yeah, that's right. And they're now their sequential gear change. You know, you, you use Lear left foot braking, mid-engine. rear engine, mid engine. Um, you do like minimum three hours, often six hour races with two of your mates pit stops, fuel strategy, everything. But you don't, everyone has the same tire, Tyre, suspension, brakes, engine, you know, everything is stock. So you, you you can tweak the suspension a little bit, but to be honest, it doesn't make a lot of difference. So it's all about the driving. Um and that's where I I did five seasons, five seasons of fun cup, if not six seasons of fun cup, where you're doing, you know, you you will spend two, three, four hours in the car at a weekend. So you get loads of seat time.
1: Well, I was gonna say that's the other thing about it. It's an endurance series and in comparison to maybe some of the sprint series that people are used to where you sort of get fifteen, ten or fifteen minutes, whatever, uh it's all quite intensive. Um, the the endurance racing, you get so much more time in yeah. the car, and you're also getting that uh camaraderie again with your with your friends because you're sharing the car. Exactly. Um, and in your case, you've probably got another data trace to look at.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You don't get in my car unless you can help out with yes. it. The, the two guys I go racing with a lot or used to in Fun Cup, um, one of them is uh, the chief aerodynamicist at the Andretti Formula 1 startup, and the other is the control systems lead uh, Red Bull. So <laughs> we're all very much <laughs> peaky data-driven uh engineer. So, so that, that that works really well. So yeah, I, I cut my teeth in fun the cup. Um I Nigel was uh my teammate for for many years. Um and we we won we won the championship four times like oh, in wow. those six years. So that's that was pretty good going. Um and that was down to a, a lot of homework with bit with a V box and I would um i'd actually develop and hone the v-box during these race weekends so next time i could get even more from it even more from it and well, with the I feedback mean, on the lap time that's that's such a big thing isn't it i i, I again
1: i've just done some uh some work recently on a, on a tire course uh, you know of, of all things right. um there's a spreadsheet that i developed to go with it which is like a run sheet you know like where you write all your numbers in but i thought yeah you know, I want to do something maths with that those numbers, and so mm. I made it into the smart run sheet. And but basically, the first iteration of that was great when I was sitting here in the uh, in the studio working on it. But then you you know you go to the track, and it's yeah, like, I, can't, I can't use it. So it's this yeah, time, you know, to be rocking around. So so basically, sure. you end up honing this thing over, over time and going optimizing. Actually, yeah, and one of the lovely things about VBOX, actually, I'd say. Uh, and I've said this for the first time. I used it actually. It's just how fast it is to go from the cars coming in to you. Yes, particularly yeah, the so important. We thought, and 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 it just makes it that much more accessible. Yeah,
0: yeah. Some drivers but have quite used. a short attention span, so you've, you've got to hit them with the information within five minutes of getting out the car, or they're off somewhere talking about tires and suspension settings and. How they almost set the fastest lap of testing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so the, you, are, you were actually able to hone the product yeah. and cut uh, through racing. Yeah. And um, that's when I developed the Delta, the uh, lap display we do, the uh, VBOX OLED display, because that shows a running Delta of your difference between your current app and your previous fastest lap. And and that pe- people become addicted to it. I've I've heard of people saying that they just you know they look at it on the entrance of the corner at the apex and on the exit, and it it can be dangerous though, as I found out to my cost. <laughs> as I, uh, it was back back out of lockdown, um, so I hadn't raced for eighteen months or whatever on a track, uh, and I was in my big Ford Falcon, big V eight thing I've got that's got no brakes and too much power, and I was at the Brands indie Circuit. And I'd forgotten just how quick it was. i mean, probably doing 140 on the start finish line, and I and I was like, "Oh, that was a good lap." And I looked and I looked at it. I was like, "Yeah, minus minus, that's it." And as I looked up, I thought, oh, "Hold on, I've just missed my breaking point and sailed sailed off the track into the barrier. Bit of damage, but it was the old thing. Yeah, you've got to look at it after the corner, not just before the corner. Yeah. So it can be dangerous. This, this driver distraction can be bad, but well, it's it's again, it's um uh, they, having that
1: visibility of your lap time delta, and again for people, I would imagine most people listening are familiar with it. But if you're not, it, this gives you a like a running uh, prediction in, in effect of of yeah. you know what your. What you're doing compared to your best, and you know, up or down, and it's to within like you know, less than a tenth of a second, isn't it? And you yeah, can st- about
0: uh, two or three hundredths. It's accurate yeah, and and, you can yeah. see.
1: You can see what's nice is that is that um, particularly when you're analysing the data as well afterwards, is when when there's an inflection point. So you go from like you're either gaining or losing at some point. Yeah, <laughs> you go through a corner, you experiment, and you look down and think, do, "Yeah, that worked," you yeah. know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Or, or, or well, unfortunately, it didn't, and then, and then didn't. Yeah. You've got to look at it for the
0: next straight, uh, dis, you know, all the way. Down. Oh, I've only lost a tenth. You think as you exit that corner, and then you watch it: two tenths, three tenths, four <laughs> tenths, five tenths. By the end of the straight, it's a second. It, so you know, oh yeah, it's it's a really because because human beings improve with feedback, so it's really important to give very timely, quick feedback. Um, so in, with the with that display, rather than waiting once a lap to get. A lap time oh I've knocked a second off how did I do that no idea uh you can tell like on the exit of a corner whether you've gained or lost and, and also you can sometimes gain massively into a corner by carrying loads of speed and then you're sort of half a second up at the apex think fantastic but then you lost it all because of the your exit speed so it, it gives you really good instant feedback. I think and um back in the day I I heard a story about
1: uh, Michael Schumacher who I think Michael Schumacher was quite nerdy as well with his days he was yes that's what um, I heard. And uh, the story goes that he was in Benetton and he had um two little uh speed um so I'm, I'm putting my hands up no one can see it <laughs> <laughs> two little screens you'd have put up on on the on the on the oh dash gosh. and and one of them gave him the the um his his speed on the way in i think i guess it must be a video. Okay. V- and then the other gave him his speed on the way out and i think they did uh. something with lateral acceleration or whatever but it's all yeah. it did is it just pinged up and and so he would just go through the corner and and it right. just made me think when you said I'll oh, look after at the end of the corner. Yes, there was no point in looking at this little screen until he was straight enough again. Sure, Cause, yeah, because that was when the number would come up, and it was he would just like incrementally experiment and play with all these different things. Yeah, can I get an extra mile an hour? Yeah, but for the
0: corner exit, and it's like oh genius, you know? Yeah, because you because <laughs> you can fill only a certain amount through your bum. Exactly. Yeah, and you can think, oh, that was a really good lap. But it was a second lap slower than you've been before. So it, it's really good to get instant feedback on that and also it keeps in a endurance race it keeps you on your toes because you begin you get tired in the car and when you're tired you don't quite put so much effort in so you might break just a fraction earlier because it you know oh, i'm getting my legs getting a bit tired um and you start doing that subconsciously but you can see it instantly on if you got a feedback like that
1: yeah, so it gives you a bit of a wake-up call. To sort it of does, on.
0: yes. Oh, hold on. Yeah, yeah, I should concentrate. Because I find that uh, the more I concentrate, the faster I go. Okay. I really have to concentrate hard uh, to put a really quick lap in. Uh, and I don't understand these drivers that can be sat there on the radio chatting away, <laughs> setting fastest laps. It's like, no, sorry, that's not me. I've got to use 100% of my brain to drive quickly. Yeah, sort of Alonso and saying, "Oh yeah, that was a nice exactly. overtake, Lance." You know, yeah. <laughs>
1: how are you? Watching? How are you doing?
0: Want, yeah, he's using forty percent of his brain to drive the car, whereas I'm using probably ninety-seven <laughs> percent. But in I fact, think- the, it's the the first time I I realised that um, that's how I was wired was in the Fun Cup race, and the with the with the Fun Cup, they have got a really good system where the race director can talk to everyone on their radio. So if you got you got the car pit car radio. But the race director blasts across everybody. So he'll tell you uh, uh, red flag, yellow flag, uh, penalties, that kind of safety car, all that kind of stuff, which is brilliant because everyone reacts pretty much at the same time. But the first time, it was at Snetterton, I was in a race and he talked to me. I drove clean off the track. talked to everybody. I drove clean off the track because A, it made me jump (laughs) because someone was talking to me when I was trying to concentrate and B, in my head, I was like, what did he say? Was that to do with me? By which time I've missed my breaking point and I'm scooting across the grass. So I learned to background listen to what they've said and don't process it until I was coming out the corner and then go, right, did he say car 251? I don't think he did. No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, the radio, uh, Pixar car radio, uh, again, for people listening that may not be familiar, but in the UK that's not that common in... in- no. Thought, but in other countries, it is so. Uh, particularly in North America, mm-hmm. one seems to have a radio. They're all chatting to each other. I, I, I've been coaching a guy over in the states, and I was watching the race, and I was going like, "I was watching, you know, his competitors going round. There's like this car is coming right up, perfect overtake, and they, number one, they do the bump drafting thing, which again is oh, not, not terrifying. Well, it's ter- completely terrifying, but particularly a real yeah. car, which these guys are in, um, which we are not allowed to do over here. And I was like, oh, that guy's got a great run. And then he just sat there. I'm like, what's going on there? And then just right at the right moment, just into the breaking point, they just gapped each other. And huh. oh now that's father and son, they're chatting to each other. Oh. On the radio. Really? They're just trying to help each other in qualifying. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Interesting. It's <laughs> another dimension.
1: That's another dimension. Yeah. To practice
0: that one as well. Yeah. Um, don't think I could cope with that. I'm not, I'm not very good on a radio. Uh, race radio, you don't get much from me, apart from a yes or a no, and that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> so where did you go after Funker? Um I then uh, bought a Jaguar E-Type um, because I'd seen a lot of the classic racing and the way the car's moved around, under braking and cornering and accelerating. In fact, where they just moved around full stop all the time, I thought, yeah, I'm going to have some of that. And also I... Um, Aesthetically, I thought the Jaguar. This is a low drag Jaguar, so it's absolutely beautiful. And I was like, I want to race this because it looks. It was kind of a reaction to driving around in a plastic bodied VW Beetle. (laughs) And I, I was, I I loved fun cup, and I did it for years. But I, when everyone said, "Oh, you go racing? What do you race?" and I showed them the picture of it, you could see their face was, "Oh, that's nice." (laughs) So I wanted something where people went, "Ooh." That's nice. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it was yeah quite shallow, but, but would you um, say you kind of would you say you kind of cut your teeth
0: in definitely. the that? Oh. Yes. Yeah. 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 A- absolutely. Um,
1: and so you, you didn't because so, the temptation is so much, and if you you know if you are in a, a position where you can can go racing in, in something nice, um, mm. the temptation is just to go. Well, I uh, you know I should go and do something with a nice paddock and everything and all that, um, and and but for you as a driver, that's a, i always worry about that. I always think yeah, me too. Or in in the like in an MX5 or my Myata or whatever they call it, yeah. the or just something that's a bit slower and, yeah. and everyone's a bit closer together, <laughs> a bit yeah. more competitive. Um,
0: it, it means you've got to be on your game. You yeah. it and it's seat time at the end of the day, uh, unless you're naturally gifted and you can get in the car and instantly you're on the base, which There are a few people like that, but the majority are like me. You have to work at it. Um, And in the fun cup, you get your seat time and you get your uh, race craft, which is super critical. Once you've learned to go quick around a track, you've then got to learn to go quick amongst traffic and how to deal with it. And in the fun cup, because it's all about the slipstream and they're all the same, you have to work. You know, you might spend 20 minutes overtaking one guy. You might be four tenths quicker than him, but it takes you 20 minutes to get past. And you learn from that. and it's, and it's about, you know, you can't make any mistakes. You've got to be so precise and rhythmic with your driving. Otherwise, you know, you, you get a gap of two or three seconds. It'd take you like 10 laps to catch up again. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy to lose that. <laughs> yeah, it is. Very easy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely cut my teeth there. And that gave me the grounding to, to drive the other cars that I've driven. And so you've got this oh, beautiful, you know, beautiful car.
1: Um yeah, so did, did it live Utah? up to live up to the expectation? Because one of well worries always is, you know, never meet never meet your sort of your, yeah. your idols and all that. Is there uh, you know, was it, it was, was it spun
0: as you thought? Well oh, it's just stunning car, just beautiful to drive. <laughs> the engine noise, you know, and the fact of your your double D clutching heel and towing and um yeah, the proper gearbox uh, and the car slides around, you know, you hit the brakes and it starts to slide. You turn into the corner, it slides. You power out, it slides. I got out of the car and the first time, it was the first time I'd driven a classic. And I said to Jeremy Welch, who built it for me, I said, Oh, there's something wrong with this. It's like trying to kill me all the time. He goes, Yep, yep, get back in. That's normal. Off you go. <laughs> so like, oh, all right, okay. So, yeah, it took me a little while to get my head around it. And you, you see these cars out in the track and you don't realize how much, how hard work it is driving these things because they are just constantly trying to spin and go sideways. And it's just, it's great. You really, really, the, the more effort you put in, the more you get out. And I've, I've bought other cars since then. And one, one of my other cars is a Daytona, a Daytona Cobra, um, the re- replica of course, cause I haven't got six million, eight million lying <laughs> around. <laughs> it's going really well at race <laughs> But not that well. Yes. <laughs> not a million brand new, not a, a genuine Daytona. Well, um, and that car, that car is very heavy to drive. And if you want to drive at nine tenths, it takes about 50% of the effort to drive at 10, of what it takes to drive at 10 tenths. I can do, like in qualifying, if I'm on it for like five laps, I'm physically shattered because <laughs> it's it, it's just your work rate doubles. And, and I love that because it's the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And it it adds a whole new element to it as well. By being so difficult to drive, yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, so so let's talk a bit about the data side of life. So, yeah, um, you know, I can't it any longer. Um, uh, yeah,
0: so, <laughs> let's dive in,
1: Yeah, I mean, what well, well, the interesting thing as well is that you've got data um, uh, spread across a whole range of vehicles, from carts to the uh, the fun yeah. cart to these historic cars. Yeah, that all kind of rely, require a different. Um, style you know intrinsically they know they need something different to go quicker yeah do yeah. it's probably hard to one to start with but how do you sort of use
0: the data to help you with that or what is it yeah you, what where do you start when you where when do you... i start okay the my starting point is always uh breaking points is it um okay. yeah that's the the one if i'm learning a new track i want to know my breaking point because until you know your breaking point uh, you can't get the max maximum out of it, I think. And and it's interesting because I've, I've talked to a number of other drivers in the paddock over the years and worked with them. And some of them you say to like uh, a good friend of mine, Martin Strett, very, very established, historic race, have been racing 25 years or something, won everything, superb drives, historic Formula 1 cars, a lot. And I have a good old chat with him because he's very analytical. And I said, oh, where's your breaking point for this corner? Because we were both driving Jaguars. And he goes, well, it's when I press the brake, <laughs> I said, "Yeah, but where is that?" He says, "I couldn't tell you. What you're holding back." No, no. I seriously, I just brake at the right point. I don't have a physical breaking point. I was like mind blown because I, <laughs> I have to have sure. like my blade of grass, my um, mark on the barrier, whatever, uh, to to get my breaking point right. Because I think from your break your your breaking point, that dictates everything else around the corner if you 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 too early you're going in too slow uh, you lose a chunk of time you are too late you're going in too fast you lose a chunk of time so you've got to absolutely optimize that braking point so that's my first thing um and i look at that in the in the data as well because you can see there's a uh, you you'll naturally lift off the brake a bit if you've brake too early so you can see have i hit the brake and i am hard on the brake pulling at least 0.9g or whatever it is all the way until I start to turn into the corner, and nine times out of ten, the answer is no. I'm not, and you can break a little bit later. Um, so that's the first thing that I look for. And aside on the um, uh, the breaking points, <clears throat> don't ever use a shadow as a breaking point.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, you were going to use the umbrella one there, you know
0: where? Oh, right, foods. yeah. They moved right. a bit further along so they get a bit yeah. of, It's like, hang on, no! I was <laughs> I was getting quicker and quicker into the nickerbrook chicane um, at Alton Park. And every time I was going in, I was going, whoa, it's getting a bit sketchy, this. And then finally on one lap, I absolutely completely overshot the chicane. I was like, what? Don't know what happened there. Come back round the next lap, did the same thing. I was like, Oh, I know what it is. That mark's missing. And it was a shadow of a tree. So this yeah. shadow had been getting later and later into my breaking zone until it disappeared completely as the sun went down. Um, so I've learned not to use a shadow as your breaking point. I think that but is I do, I look for, for
1: anyone listening, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we can almost
0: just wrap it up
1: here, can we? I mean, that's,
0: yeah, don't yeah. use a shadow.
1: Yeah, But you, could, it, oh, you would do that. Though. I can see, I could see yeah. that it, change it, I of colour on the tarmac,
0: isn't it? So I didn't realise. You just, realize. didn't really think of it as a shadow. no. Yeah. No so I learned a lesson that day definitely but I, I do absolutely I have to have a physical marker of some kind and there's a couple of corners where there aren't any and they're all I find them always quite tricky
1: Yeah it's just, every every time it's a bit of a new adventure when you approach a corner like that where where there be a bit of a blind crest or this yeah. or this um there's nothing really around to, to mm. I mean there's there's um uh, a couple of tips I, I I've you know picked up from talking to uh, people on the show and sure. uh, and such like as um so my friend Ross Bentley, he has a he has oh, an yeah. a, a concept I, I love his books I've read all of his books
0: have you <laughs> yeah they're
1: so good uh, he's actually yeah, he's um he's joining me on the time course for, for this okay. this uh this one actually. It's gonna be it's gonna be really good, down is now. it
0: Ross that's written the books, or am I thinking? Yeah, yeah, it? no, it is Ross, but yeah. He's... He wrote all yeah, the yeah definitely
1: books, yeah. that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely read all of those. Um, yeah. sort of a bit of a legend. Uh, he is absolutely lovely guy and a super coach. And his his thing with the with the this sort of this corner entry phase is um mm. uh he, he talks about a throttle on point. So so, rather than a braking point, you talk about like at what point do you come off full throttle as a point? Okay. Right. So, that's a, it's a slightly, yeah. slightly different. Turns it on its head. Because quite often when drivers and you and you'll have seen this, they kind of roll off the throttle and then roll onto the brakes. Yes. Yes. And so, and you want it to be more sort of digital. digital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing he, he talks about is like the end of braking. So, right. Oh yeah, so, that's critical. So where where's that point? If you're going yeah. to point pick that one, <laughs> yeah. You know, where, do you, where do you want
0: to be off the brakes? Yes, not necessarily back on the throttle, but just no off the brakes. Off the brakes. Um. And um. One one thing I've found that's um worth a lot of time, especially in a um in a historic car where you've got a H pack gearbox, so you have to uh, dip the clutch between it and blip the throttle. Um, is I I was I used to because when I was when I race with like uh, pros in my uh, historic cars, they they could seem to break a little bit later than me. And if I brake at their point, I couldn't make the corner. So I looked at the data and you look at the longitudinal G and you see that you hit the brake first and 0.9 G, solid, lovely. And then you twist your foot across the brake pedal to blip the throttle and it pops up to 0.4 G and then back down to point eight point nine G again. And that little blip, that you can see you can't feel it in the car because you're moving your foot around but that could be that could change your braking distance by three or four meters you can brake a little bit later because you're more consistent on the brakes and that that's difficult one to learn and to practice and again i practice it on the road i just sort of brake hard for a corner and try to heel and toe whilst not letting up the pressure on the brake and even the pros they can't quite managed to maintain the same brake pressure and I've, I've watched it and i've looked at it they they even come off a little bit so it, it's a it's a real skill
1: it's it, the heel and toe for sure is is um it's a it's a it's, a, it's such a skill and, and then like you say because you're quite busy um yeah doing that you you don't really um uh realize that you're coming off the brakes but you can yeah. see it in the data really clearly that you yeah know,
0: super clear it just pops up it pops it goes, up, yeah. It gives you. It's a W shape. And yeah. You want to make it a U shape. Um, yeah,
1: absolutely. And and that's that's again. So so the braking phase is it's super. Important. It's totally defined by that. I, I had some advice before where they sort of said like, if you get if you can't do it, just abandon the, the uh, gear change.
0: <laughs> yeah, abandon
1: <it. laughs> or, or leave it a bit late Either leave yeah. it later or, yeah. or abandon the blip. If if you if you yes. depending on you know. You don't want to yeah, sure. damage your car or whatever. No, into the um, corner backwards. Or into the corner backwards. <laughs> because back. yeah. obviously, the whole idea is that you're trying to balance the whole thing and yeah, yeah. you're not chopping those tyres at the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so, okay. So, you, so you're, you're looking at like the speed trace, you're looking at braking points, you're looking at yes.
0: this longitudinal acceleration. There's already quite yeah. a lot of things like... <laughs> there is. <laughs> yeah, it's basically longitudinal acceleration. That gives you most things for your braking. It's the, you look at your video and you see, am I braking at the right point? And then you look at the longitudinal trace and say, am I braking hard enough throughout the entire phase of the braking event? So it's, it, yeah, it's it's one line that you look at and you can see very quickly whether it has gone to, because it depending on the the tire, downforce, whatever. But uh, say in a historic car, 0.9, 1g is about the most you can squeeze from it, and it's really easy to break at 0.8g. It's really tricky to break absolutely on the limit all the time throughout the entire phase of the braking. So it's a it's a it's a good reminder because. In some corners you think you're braking really hard but then you look at the data again no i'm not actually i'm there's a little bit more left and it, you can't feel it in the car but you can see it in the data
1: so if if someone was like thinking about data and they're like thinking oh, i'm not sure like I, I'm, I'm listening to us chat away and mm. uh, yeah these guys are sold you know must there must be something in it i'm still not sure um race is expensive enough kind of thing you know do yeah. i really need you know doing am i really going to benefit from this and and maybe yeah. um you know they're not comfortable on the technology side of things okay sure. like what kind what kind of things would you say to someone like that like would you say like just like, give it a go or would say
0: don't um, bother or yeah, you know try If you want to use a driver coach, and that's the best way to go quickly, the fastest possible time, Uh, yeah, it costs a little bit more money, but pick a driver coach that is really happy with using data, because then they can pinpoint these things for you, and then you can learn about them. And then you'll see whether they're useful or not, because they, undoubtedly, they'll go quicker than you, and they'll be having to explain what they're doing. And the only way you can do that, unless you're sat alongside them, is through the data.
1: Yeah okay
0: and what if i mean like so
1: can you use data um if you don't have like like someone else sitting in your car if you just have sure. you driving around how do you yeah, yeah, is, uh, yeah have, it's have people,
0: it yeah it's you look for glues like you you look for your braking zone so you look look at the braking point um are you using full longitudinal g all the time up to the point when you turn in and then when the the next crucial phase which is and, and this bit I think is the thing that takes years to master and has the biggest effect is the blend from the braking to the turning of the wheel. and that that and I think Ross Bentley goes into great detail about this um about how you come up and he he describes something which I've I've loved ever since and it's imagine there's a, a string that's on the steering wheel connected to the brake and as you turn your wheel, it pulls the brake pedal up. It says that's what you want to be doing. You don't want to come off the brake and then turn and you don't want to keep the brake on and turn. So there's a blend and it's that beautiful balance between the two that makes the biggest difference. And you can look at the data because there's a we, we produce a channel and it's, it's pretty standard a, what I call a combo G and it's a combination of lateral and longitudinal so braking forces, cornering forces. But to to simplify it, you get this line and it goes up when you start braking. And it also stays up when you start cornering. But you can't let it dip in between because that's a lap time you're missing. So again, it, it it should look like an N, but it often looks like an M. And it's that transition <laughs> from braking to turning that you've got to fill in that gap. So you can look at your own data and go, is my braking, is, is that a nice N shape or is it an M shape? And then look at the combination of the two and make sure there's no dip in that either and if you're doing that then you you've definitely progressed because i I can guarantee there will be a gap because even the very best drivers there's a little gap and it's just about minimizing that but you can't fit again you can't feel it in the car you can only see it and the tire is capable of having a nice smooth transition between the two so if you've got a little gap in between you're leaving lap time on the table. Yeah, and I, I, and if, if there's
1: any sort of driver coaches out there listening as well, for, for me, that's the go-to channel. Uh, you know, you look at the speed trace and such, like, give you, orientate yourself, but then that sort of G-Sum or vector G or – I mean, what is it with this industry and like <laughs> everyone
0: calling the same yeah. something different? Yeah. <laughs> well, a, everyone else is wrong. It's a combination G, isn't it, obviously? It's a combination of two G. so <laughs> – <laughs> yeah in scientifically it's vector it's a vector which is uh which is probably a good good engineering term but uh, yeah, yeah, I, that, everyone calls it different
1: they, they, it's, and, uh, it's the same with uh, the uh, delta t or the lab, yes. lab delta or time slip or oh, whatever no, yeah not <laughs> it's, like, it's all the same
0: thing it's all the same thing uh, yeah. well it is as long as it's based on position and not distance. Well, I was literally teeing you up for that nice one.
1: I literally teeing you up for that one. Nice one, yeah. Because what you guys do that no one else does, as far as I'm aware, mm. is uh, is align the data more accurately yeah. yeah. Around the track. So yeah. um, do you want to tell us a bit
0: about sure. how, how you yeah. do that? Because that, that's so, not as obvious as... No, it's not. It, it's a subtle but really, really important um traditionally you would use the lap distance to compare two laps together. So you, you'd have your speed trace and your G trace, and you'd you need to overlay them. I'm just gonna fly. Traditionally, as in how everyone else on the planet, yes. apart from you guys. Yeah, until we <laughs> until we enter the still, market. Still <laughs> less yeah. Um hey. and that that works if you follow exactly the same line on every single lap. That that's absolutely fine. It's a legitimate way to do it. But unless you're on the track on your own and you're super fast and very very um uh, very accurate, you can't do that. so you, your your lap distance will change even the I've worked with the best drivers and and they're like you know eight nine meters difference on a lap round say Silverstone and round the Norch live, you know they can be thirty, fifty meters different. So if you're using distance to reference, your losses or your gains, and you're five meters out. That's the difference between the apex and the exit. So you can't really do that and get an accurate output. So what we do is we reference against GPS position, and GPS position allows you to align the apexes and the, the entrances and the, the corner exits all together. So you you get very very good correlation between two different laps because the the GPS is now accurate. standard GPS resell is accurate for about a meter. Um and if you're you're traveling at 30 meters per second, you know, that's a thirtieth of a second accuracy, which is which is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely great. And so how do you so say um
1: because what it also allows you to do uh, is if you have a moment. <laughs> yeah, when when you have a moment. So I'm gonna say, okay, when you have a moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it it means that you you know and then uh, and then in your enthusiasm to catch up um you set blistering you know the blistering last uh sector for example it means you can still use that last sector to compare against the rest of what you've done absolutely yeah yeah because
0: it will still be accurate yeah yeah and if you yeah and some cars some systems would use the a wheel speed sensor to measure the distance and if you've locked a wheel or spun a wheel then that's inaccurate as well there's ways to mitigate that but it's never as good as using pure gps yeah i'm surprised more people um don't use your it's met- difficult it's difficult it's a lot of maths <laughs> this is <laughs> took true. us a while yeah it took, took us a while to get a head around it. and we're we're gps experts you know that's that's what we supply on a day-to-day basis um so we understand all the accuracies and the way to get the best out of it so it it for us it was fairly straightforward but it's it no, it's not a simple thing and also it takes a lot of processing you can't do it on a cheap little processor it has to has to be fairly fairly powerful
1: yeah and and uh, but you've obviously prioritized it and gone now this is this is important so we're super gonna... important yeah. yeah yeah absolutely um I'm just looking at the time. I think, oh my, okay. God, where's it? Gotcha. Where's it God? It's like, yes.
0: oh my. I'm, so, so. We've only got to the. We haven't even got to the apex yet. <laughs> no, we haven't actually got to the apex, have we? This <laughs> is <it?
1: laughs> See, no. this is this is the irony of this this topic. I mean, we could mm. we could chat all day. I, I know, I know we could. And, um, because but we did at least we got to your historics. Like,
0: yes, Yeah, So I've got a number of number of them. Um, I wrote a list just to remind myself, and these are the ones I've told my wife about. Yes, a Jaguar type This is a public publicly. This is a, a public so, so, yes. i yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got a Cobra Daytona, Ford Cobra Daytona, big V8 thing, fantastic. Ford Falcon, that's a V8. No grip, like, big engine, big, massive car. Hilarious, good fun, that is. Um, a Chevron V8, which is an old 1968 um, single-seater, closed roof, British sports car. Beautiful, beautiful car. And that's got a two-litre engine. Super lightweight, single-seater with a with a fiberglass roof on it, basically. Um, and my final car I bought was a Sierra Cosworth RS500, and it was an old British touring car. Uh, Andy Rousey's, uh, he shared it with Guy Smith. Dur- Guy, Guy Smith? No, so Guy Edwards. during Guy Smith's a bit, a bit younger than Guy Edwards. Oh, yeah. um, uh, he shared it in the 1989 British Touring Car Championship. So that's quite a famous car. Is that the um, Calibre one? Is that's it? the Calibre car. Yeah, yeah. I love that car. It's a beast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so fast. It's ridiculous.
1: I love it. Well, other than being completely jealous of your car collection, um, what, you know, what, one or two things? is there one, one thing you can leave people with or, or think about when, like, is it wrapping all this up and trying to summarise where, where you've come as a, as a, because you, you're, you've, you're an amateur driver. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And bought into the whole analytics and the and the data, yeah. but you've made it work for you as an amateur driver. Yeah. Um, yes, you you've you're looking for that yeah that kind of support, but also mm-hmm. you know if, if someone was listening and thinking, yeah, I am still, still not sure or I just want to give that a go, mm. or, I did, you know. Okay, I might get coached. I'm not sure about that either. You know, what yeah. would, how would you sort of sum up your experiences with it, sort of pros and cons a little bit? On, you know So that we can that go away and think. Actually, yeah, I'm, I'm in a better position to make a decision on that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it depends what you want to get out of racing. Um, <clears throat> I'm supremely competitive and always have been. <laughs> so I want to be at the front and I want to be winning. And um, you know, when I first started, I wasn't, and now I've won seven championships. In five different cars, um, because I wanted to win, I wanted to be up in the top step, I wanted to uh, be one of the fastest drivers on the grid. And the it, it's to do that is hard work and dedication, but it's also there's shortcuts. Um, and best shortcut is to get a coach. Um, the coach will inevitably come with a data logging system. Hopefully a eh? V box. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's that's how you fast track it. Um and you start it, it can be overwhelming at first, but you just you just pick one corner and you you pick the breaking zone for one corner to begin with, and you just you can work on that. And with the data, you know your coach can say you, you break at the hundred meter mark, and you break at hundred meter mark, and you sail past the corner and you go, Well, what am I doing wrong? And it's only through the data that you can actually work out. How he manages to break at the hundred meter point compared with you, and you just—it's you're hitting the brakes too hard and locking the brakes, or you're you're not building the pressure up quickly enough, or you're just not maintaining it. And th- and that nine times out of ten, you're just not maintaining the pressure. Everyone panic brakes hard, but then they just they come off the brakes for some reason. It's just a human trait, so, and you can't really see that on the video. Um, and you can't tell an issue sat alongside somebody. So the only other way is, is through the data. So that's and, and then that follows round the corner as well. There's other phases of the blend as you go to the apex and um all the other bits that through the data you can you can see those little subtleties that that make all the difference.
1: I think I think you you, you summed up really nicely and and it's kind of what I suppose uh, the way I look at it is the data gives you that um, certainty because without it, I've often found myself in this kind of like, oh, it could be this or it could be that or, yes, you know, where am I going to find two seconds?
0: Yeah. Uh, it can it. be daunting, can't it? You yeah. go, oh, gosh. If, 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 around as hard as I can.
1: Yeah. Two seconds off pole. Yeah. What, what are they doing? Yeah. And then you've got two choices then. You either sort of look at yourself, yeah. your car, or you think they're
0: cheating. Yes,
1: exactly. You pick the order in which, you know, yeah. which, however happy you're feeling. <laughs> Quite often it's the first two and not the last one, I'll be honest. It's not yeah. obvious, but, you know. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, and, and you think, oh, right, okay. You know, and then, so like so I've got the data in front of me. I look at these squiggly lines. So I mm. don't even know where to start. But then once you have like yeah. a little bit, and if you sure. can translate that into um, a plan for next time, yeah, that you can, you can at least try, and you know, yeah. it's a huge step. But it's just like, well, no. I think we can break a little bit deeper into turn one. Yes, yeah, you're breaking here. The data says you can break a hundred meters later. <laughs> park, let's <laughs> yeah. Say, um, let's try twenty meters exactly, and see if it makes any difference. Yeah, yeah. Go around the corner. um What I love actually using the V box or video in general is that um with a driver, you can. um It's quite hard to envisage what 100 meters later looks like yes (laughs) it looks like yeah um so uh because you're typically well yeah you you may typically be breaking at first in a straight line um you can Mm. kind of roll it forward by the distance and say right this is where you're breaking at the moment this is what life looks like Mm. point i'm going to roll it forward right this is what life is going to look like when you start breaking for the next one yeah and then they've got oh okay and it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work like, no. straight away. But at least you're sort of planting a seed, and you're trying yeah. to. Yeah, You got
0: that visual clue as when when you should be breaking.
1: Yeah, and you've got the faith as well because, like, you yes. know, assuming you have some competency to look at the numbers as well, mm. you can say, so "No, honestly, it will yeah. stop. <laughs> it will as long as you press it hard enough and consistently enough. Yeah, it will stop." So anyway, well, yeah. you know, this, I knew this would be great. I knew this would be great.
0: <laughs> um, thank you so much for uh for your time uh, no problem no i love i love discussing this subject and as you probably tell you know we, as i said we're not even at the apex yet
1: <laughs> even at the apex well maybe we'll yeah. come back another time we'll, sure. talk, we'll talk about the rest of the quarter because i just think it's lovely that you kind of put your money where your mouth is with all this sort of stuff and you, you know you're in you know technical engineer or whatever but mm. you're so you've been out there you you've put it into action and you've got actually yeah um i can appreciate that it is scary at times. And I know the numbers say like, I can go around the corner quicker, but I need to yeah. And so you, then you've worked on yourself and been able to do it. Yeah. So it kind of proves that
0: it can be done. Yeah. And I can relate to my customers. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, look, thank you. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you for inviting
1: me. Wow. What a privilege to have Julian on the show. I hope you found his story as interesting as I did as well as picked up several tips on how to get more from your data system. His combination of racing experience and technical expertise truly reminds us of the significance of analytics in any field. Julian's journey from racer to innovator is testament to the power of passion and the potential of technology. As always, remember to stay curious, stay inspired, and keep pushing those boundaries. Thank you for listening. This is your host, Samir Abid signing off. Until next time. You may know that at the end of Season 1, I wrote the Motorsports Playbook, a summary distilling the first 20 shows into nuggets of wisdom. I made the notes so that you don't have to. If you've not got it yet, go and grab yourself a copy from the website. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and visit us at yourdatadriven.com.